and gentlemen, good afternoon. It's Rob Port here on 970 WDAY. Good afternoon, Nathiel. How are you? Doing pretty good today. It's much nicer out today than it has been in a few days. We're up in the 60s again. I feel nice. Well, that's good to hear. You know, a lot of weird things have happened during the Trump administration, right? Yes. I mean, it's been, I, I, I don't care, Trump supporter, not a Trump supporter, whatever you are, you got to admit, it ain't business as usual in Washington, D.C., right? And I had my own personal taste of that, I guess, touching on on the Trump administration. Of all things, the official EPA Twitter account linked to one of my posts today. The EPA. Really? An organization that I have not been a fan of for some time, I guess, linked. My post, and I wrote it earlier today, the head of the EPA, Trump's appointed a, or Trump's cabinet member who who runs the, the director of the EPA, uh, Scott Pruitt sent Governor Doug Burgum a letter, and it was pertaining to the clean power plan. And basically, the the, the point of the letter was that North Dakota doesn't have to um, continue to to spend money implementing the clean power plan because it's cur- it's been stayed by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, and you know, obviously, it's it's the Trump administration's feeling that as long as that's the case, uh, you know, the state of North Dakota shouldn't be spending money to to pursue those regulations. But what what caught my eye, and the reason I published the letter, was because at the end of it, um, Pruitt, you know, added this thing. He you know basically said that the days of coercive federalism are over, which I I thought was just great. I mean, you you want to talk about why Trump got support? In states like North Dakota, it's because, uh, you know, people were getting a little bit tired of the federal government pushing states around. I mean, energy, agriculture, these are pretty important industries to North Dakota. They employ a lot of people. They are the, you know, well, I, I, not, not to diminish any business that's operating in North Dakota. They're all wonderful. But energy and agriculture are sort of the, I mean, they're sort of the cornerstones of North Dakota's economy. So, you know... Obama's approach, very ideological, very, you know, heavy handed, was tough on those industries. And now, you know, we're hearing from the Trump administration, you know, we're, we're, we're going to put an end. We, we have a, a change in tone. So I highlighted that in the letter and the EPA linked to it. And now I, I feel like I'm living in upside down world. You've entered Stranger Things. The upside down. Yeah, that's what they call it on Stranger Things. So I don't know my own little my own little touch of of weird. Not when I woke up Tuesday morning, I wasn't thinking to myself, "Boy, I wonder if the EPA is going to tweet one of my links." But they did. It happened. I could put it in my resume now. Feeling pretty good about myself. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. what the hell is going on with this effort to recall Dave Pepcorn? It's a mess is what it is. And don't don't get me wrong, okay? I understand that some of these new Americans don't like some of the things that Dave Pepcorn has done. And I'm not always, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan of attempting to other new Americans in our community. But at the same time, if what they want is to get Dave Pepcorn out of power then this is the wrong way to do it because what they're doing is creating a sentiment of him being persecuted for asking questions that most of the region here see as reasonable questions. 
Right. And all that's going to do is provide him with more talking points and more forward momentum as he goes on to bigger and better political things, which is the opposite of what these people actually want. So just stop. See, but the thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it is the opposite of what they want. I mean, I, I think that there is a contingent of people who think that asking these questions is racist. That's just that's just what they believe. Oh, and the reason yeah, why I think that is because that's what they literally say. They say it to me. I've heard it. I've had that sentiment directed at me. It's ugly and hateful and unfortunate. Absolutely. Now, there, there are people that believe that. But but so what they're trying to do is stop those questions from being asked by taking on the the main person who is in the news asking these questions. He's right. Dave Pepcorn is the person that started really asking these and the, questions. And the, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't like the way. I, I don't like the way Dave has talked about this issue all the time. I think he has said some things that are untrue at times. Uh, he has also uh, some of the stuff like not showing up to the meetings. Um, you know, I'm I'm sorry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be the you know carry the banner on an issue like this, you got to show up. Absolutely. You know, so that's th- those are uh, those are valid criticisms. I think of Pepcord, but the thing that really caught my eye because over the weekend we had. Uh, what is it? It's it's the Fargo Moorhead Area Refugee Advisory Council. I hopefully I, hopefully I got all that right. It's a long um, acronym. Yeah. So they put up a Facebook post where they said, you know, call off the recall, and and their reasoning for it was was you know they put in there that they didn't feel like the petitioners or whoever wrote the Facebook post, and it's not clear to me who wrote it, but. On the group's page, it said that there were threats and and harassment going on of the petition circulators, right? So I saw that on Saturday because two Wintran from the forum wrote a post about it. I wrote an article about it, and that caught my eye. And so Monday morning, I I sent a request down to the Fargo Police Department, and I said, you know, what are the details here? Do we have any reports? Have there been any calls or anything? Um, the Fargo Police Department, they're, they're still looking into it, but I, I got the, the preliminary answer from Chief David Todd that, that I got was he's not aware of anything. And so I asked the group itself. I sent over a message and said, you know, I'm checking with the Fargo Police Department, but I was wondering if you could provide me any details. Because I think if, if it's a situation where people, as much as I may disagree with the recall, if the people aren't feeling safe circulating the recall petition and there's been real incidents that have made them feel that way, then to me, that's a story worth reporting, right? To me, that's something we should delve into because that says something kind of ugly uh, about some elements in the Fargo community, if that's true. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be true because now we have a follow-up article that published last night from 2Intran where the recall committee, which is distinct from the Fargo-Moorhead Area Refugee Advisory Council, and they're saying, we asked our petitioners and... We don't have any evidence of, of harassment. And so now somebody apparently is lying about threats and harassment. And this whole thing is, I, I, I think you said it right, Natil, it's, it's a mess. It, it really is a mess. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't like the, the two, again, we're, we're in this sort of situation where there's two very different sides to a story being presented to the point where you know one of them is false, but you don't know which Somebody, one of them is somebody's false. Somebody's not telling the truth. And it's, it's the same sort of thing that was happening out at Dapple, where we would get two sides of the same story that were so opposed, one of them had to be false, and it was hard to tell which one was the false one. And now this is happening, like, right in our backyard. 
Well, how do you? I mean, how how do you go about? Well, the Apple thing happened in some of our backyard out. Well, yes, but but yeah. Well, for, for the Fargo Warner community, but here's the thing: if these, th- I mean, if if you have threats to the point where people don't feel safe, circuit, because that was a big thing I got. Well, port, you know, just because there's an, in- you know, not every incident's reported to the police. I get that, but if it's at a point where you feel like you got to call your petitioners in because they don't feel safe in the community anymore, and you didn't call the police. That makes me feel a little suspect of the claims that you're making. And so somebody here made something up, and I feel like there needs to be some accountability for that. I feel like somebody needs to own up and apologize for that if it's not true. Because as it stands right now, the the, the, the recall committee is saying it's not true. The police department's saying they don't have any reports. We don't have any evidence to substantiate it other than, than you know an insinuation in a Facebook post that it happened. So someone needs to come clean here. Do you really Let's, find it so hard to believe, though, that these people, you know, were going up to houses to try to get signatures to recall Dave Pepcorn, and they they that's were a dangerous game, at? though. That's that's a dangerous game, though. Like like, do, do I find it hard to believe? Well, did it happen? I don't. I don't know if it because happened so, or somebody's not. claiming it happened. Yeah, but yet the recall committee saying that that it didn't. So. Where's the evidence? And, and do I, I mean, listen, I have years ago, you know, I, I have collected signatures for, for petitions and you run into people who don't like the idea and they react to, you know, hey, get the hell off my porch or something like that. You know, is that harassment? No, I think that's just that's just politics. If you circulate petitions, you run into that. If somebody is like, hey, I'm going to beat you up or I'm going to come find you and punch you in the jaw or, or uses a racial epithet or something like that. Well, then that's a different matter. And did that happen? We have no evidence that that happened. And that's a problem because a claim has been made very publicly and there's no evidence for it. And that's a problem, and I feel like we need to get to the bottom of that. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port here on 970 WDAY, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. I didn't even mention our guest coming up, 1.30. Next segment, Craig, uh, State Representative Craig Hedlund. He's the chairman of the Finance and Tax Committee in the State House. We're going to talk about the property tax issue. Uh, and, and by the way, State Senator uh, Jessica Unruh has a guest post on SayAnythingBlog.com this afternoon uh, talking about that issue as well. That's pretty interesting. Um, back to this issue with the recall of Dave Pepcorn. Here's here's two other things that bother me about this, Natil. First of all, the claim is made in in a Facebook post on what was it was it the twenty seventh? Yeah, it was on Saturday that the Facebook post went up. So they're claiming, okay, petitioners are being harassed or whatever. We need to stop because of their safety. Uh, and then it's not until like twenty four to forty eight hours later that the recall committee is all of a sudden like. Oh no! You know we we talk to our petitioners. There's nothing like that going on. Why wait so long? I mean that is a pretty inflammatory accusation to make. Um, irresponsible if it is indeed untrue, which it appears to me at this point it is. So I mean there, there's that delay, and then, then here's also something that troubles me because Monday morning, and I don't I'm not 100% on the timeline on all this, but Monday morning, I send over my email to the group saying, hey, you know. 
can we have some additional details like this? I'm checking with the PD, too. But if this is so dangerous, if these things are going on, why didn't anybody call the police? Or why didn't, I mean, what, what are the details? What's going on here? I send over my request, and all of a sudden, people start walking it back. And I, that sends up a red flag to me because it's like, okay, well, if people are, and maybe, maybe it's not just me. Maybe other people are asking for details too. I don't know. I don't know the timeline, but maybe are they walking it back because all of a sudden people are asking for details? People are wondering, okay, if there's these incidents, what happened? Who did it happen to? Can we talk to this person? I, I just, I, I have, I find it hard to believe. Given that, that, that incidents like this, I mean, when something like that happens, when there's an ugly altercation, it usually ends up on social media. It a lot of times ends up getting media coverage. Uh, you know, so it's just, I, I, it, it stinks to high heaven to me. It, it, it really feels like somebody made a claim that was not at all substantiated or not at all true. That's what it feels like to me. It, it, it stinks. My instincts are saying that, that somebody's lying. That's where I'm at on this right now. And, and to me, that's a separate issue from the recall effort. I understand that some are claiming that, that whoever made this claim on, on, on the Fargo-Moorhead Area Refugee Advisory Council Facebook page that it was, I, I guess, some are alleging that it was like a rogue person, although shortly before airtime, that post, by the way, is still on Facebook. It's still up publicly. I was just looking at their Facebook page before I came on air. There's been no retraction of it. There's been no updates on it. So what is going on? I, I, there's got to be some accountability for this. I mean, it's, it's, it's not fair for somebody to just come out and say, uh, well, you know, petitioners who are trying to recall uh, a, a, a city councilman have been harassed to the point where they no longer feel safe and nobody checks this out? Nobody double checks? Nobody asks for information for more details? Or maybe other people are, and all of a sudden it gets walked back? I don't know. It, it stinks. It stinks. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY. Dot com and I'm not I'm not sitting here to tell you that there aren't people out there who are racist not people out there you know capable of saying ugly things of making threats of harassing I we see it on social media like every day happens a lot those people are out there I'm not saying it's impossible that this could happen but there have been instances in the past where we have people who make up stuff about hate crimes or whatever else right we find out there's a bunch of swastikas that get spray painted on a wall or something and come to find out it was a hoax. That happens, I, I think, more than a lot of people would like to admit. What do you think, Natil? Am I, am I, is my skepticism unfounded? I don't think your skepticism is unfounded. I just wish that there was a... I wish there was some actual information to, to go on, especially. I wish they would respond to me. I've emailed them. I Facebook messaged them. You know, I tried to get in touch with them. I wish they would respond to me. I don't blame you there. I just, uh, it's, it's a disaster. The whole recall, honestly, is a, is a disaster. It's, it has been. It has been a disaster since it started, and it's not achieving what they want it to achieve. Even if they do get enough right. signatures, do and I, really I do, I do see, I, 
I, I do see this as a separate issue from the recall popcorn thing, right? I mean, that's well, yes. that's its own thing. Agree with it or disagree with it. This, to me, is almost a separate issue. This is an inflammatory thing that got got a lot of attention, and I feel like we're owed more of an explanation than, than we've been getting so far. And the recall popcorn thing, I don't think it's going anywhere because, you know what, I don't think most voters at Fargo think the questions that Dave Pepcorn's asking are unreasonable. More to come straight ahead here on The Rob Report. Craig Hedlund, going to talk property taxes. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Rob Reporter on 970 WDAY, 888 email talk at WDAY.com. My guest now is State Representative Craig Hedlund, who is uh, Chairman of the Finance and Tax Committee in the State House, which means he had his fingers in all that sort of policy. Representative Hedlund, welcome to the program. Thanks for your time. Well, thanks, Rob, for having me. Let's um, let's talk property taxes because obviously that's the Democrats are going to be talking a lot about it in the election cycle. It is a perennial topic. We talk about it every single year. It, it seems like people are always agitated about property taxes to one degree or another. And this this session, you know, the, the state has been buying down property taxes for a while now, and I have always been critical of that policy. This time around, the legislature didn't do the 12% buy down. The legislature did do a 12% or not a 12%, but the legislature didn't do the 12% buy down. What they did do was a takeover of social service spending. But what I'm seeing is about a hundred million dollar gap between those two things. Does that mean property taxes are going to go up locally? Well, Rob, you know, they certainly shouldn't have to go up locally. Now, that's a decision that's going to be made by uh, local elected officials, but uh, there's no reason property taxes have to go up. Why? I mean, because I, I, I think the argument people are going to make is that, well, if you're leaving that $100 million gap, where is that money going to come from? Well, you know, maybe it could come from... Uh, levying less mills and taking more from the property tax owner today. And, you know, I, I understand that that's probably a stretch at this point. But, you know, here's my point. The state used excess funds to fund the 12% in the past. You know, the excess funds weren't there this time. So what we did was we moved away from uh, straight percentage across uh, all property, which was not a very good way to do it anyway because it left us susceptible to all these increases in, in valuation that occur on an annual basis. And we replaced it with a takeover of the administrative costs of social services, which is uh, something that we will control from the future on out. 701 I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and yes, it's true, the cost of doing that is less than the cost of fully funding the 12%. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm necessarily critical of what the state did. 
I didn't like the fact that the state got themselves into the property tax buy-down business in the first place. To me, that always looked unsustainable. We had, it seemed like we were just hiding the, the property tax problem in the state's budget surpluses, as, as you said, in, in, with the excess funding or excess revenue. Uh, so, I, I mean, is this, is this really a moment where, where the legislature is now finally going back to the locals and saying, listen, this is a local issue if your property taxes go up? take it up with your local leaders i mean is that is that the message the legislature's message to the, the the voters the property owners well you know i think that's part of the message i think the other part of the message is um, the fact that the state when we had excess funding you know we we tried to return it in a way that people that made people happy now we could have reduced the income tax more but Frankly, it's the property tax that people complained about. And, you know, was a, a straight across the board uh, 12% mechanism? I mean, the 12% uh, came with the available dollars. It happened to turn out to be 12%, and we've been able to maintain that, I think, through three billions. But, you know, uh, there's really nothing significant about the 12% other than that was the available excess dollars. And again, we could have used that to reduce income taxes. But that didn't seem to have quite the impact uh, that it did with property tax, and it was simply a direction that we went. It, it was never meant to be a permanent program because it was always funded with excess funds. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Uh, I, I wonder if... What we're already hearing the Democrats saying is that because you were saying, well, we could have used that 12 percent, we could have done income tax cuts. Their argument is we cut Republicans cut taxes too much. And that contributed not only to, uh, you know, the the spending cuts we had to do now because there wasn't enough revenue, but also it's contributing to property taxes going up. How are Republicans going to rebut that? Well, you know, Rob, I think, you know, that that's just conjecture. Uh, from the left, you know, there's no way that they can show us that uh, income tax reductions have caused this problem because, you know, there's there's two sides of what happens with reducing taxes. You know, when you leave more money in people's pockets, they spend more. But there's no way for us to tell how much more sales tax revenue we've got because of those reductions in income tax or anything like that. And, you know, it's the same argument they're trying to make with the oil tax reduction. And, and you've been very good at pointing out there has been no reduction. In fact, the state has received more revenue uh, from what has been done in the past or what we did last session. So uh, I just don't uh, buy their argument, and I don't believe the uh, voters will buy it either. 701-293-9000, when, when I think back to the, the, you know this property tax situation, and I, I think it goes back – Honestly, I think it goes back as far as 2007, I, I think, under Governor Hoven when the state was trying to address the property tax issues. We did, like, rebates from from the state income tax, right, to try to address it. That didn't last long. It didn't work very well. And, and then we moved on, and, and we started doing the buy-downs. But but I, it seems like the whole situation has its political roots in the local governments or or, or whoever – basically convincing the voters that the property taxes going up was the state's problem, that that everybody kept turning to the state to solve this problem. So the state had a bunch of extra money sitting around and started buying down taxes. 
Do you see it that way as well? Because that, that's how I see all this unfolding, is the state got blamed for property taxes, so the state had extra money and tried to solve property taxes, and that brought us to a point where now we had to end the buy-down because the state didn't have the revenue, and there's going to be an impact on that for property taxes. Is that, I mean, is that a fair? Well, yeah, I think that's probably a fair point, Rob. I, I can't really argue that. Uh, you know, I've been part of this uh, discussion since 2007, and and yeah, uh, you know, every uh, time we went out and campaigned, we heard nothing but, you know, we got to do something about property taxes. And, and let me tell you, we, in uh, Senate Bill 2206, the bill that takes over the administrative costs of social services, in the conference committee, I added a study, a study that's going to look at all a property tax. It's going to look at how property is assessed, which I think is a, a big problem. It's a constitutional problem, frankly, because... Our Constitution says all property has to be equalized, and that causes some problems because we know all property is not equal. If you have uh, farmland in Stutzman County, which is pretty good farmland, frankly, it's not Red River Valley uh, farmland. And and we do have a production uh, formula that goes along with egg property. But if you use it, uh, an example of commercial property, and uh, take two... uh, uh, egg dealerships, one in Fargo and one in Leeds, North Dakota. Are those uh, buildings, even though they might be equivalent uh, in uh, their stature, are they truly equal? I don't think so because of the location of the one in Leeds. So there's there's areas to look at. But, you know, beyond that, uh, this study is going to look at everything from, you know, the voters' uh, ability to uh, weigh in on uh, local budgets. Uh, it's It's going to be a full uh, study of the property tax and how it's collected and you know we've got to find some reform and reform has been really tough to get done at at the capitol because uh the local elected officials all the political subs they push back really hard and they they seem to have a lot of influence over legislators especially across the the hall what I we we just talked about and I I think that study is great and I think you're right I I think we need property tax reform and and the house did pass what i thought would would have been good reform a a cap on on property tax increases unfortunately the senate shot it down that is what it is what's what's your advice though because we just talked about what i I think what we both agree is the genesis of this problem which is sort of the politics of blaming the state for for property taxes when really it's a local issue what is your advice because i i think what's going to happen is you know, we're going to see property taxes probably about circa 2018 next year. And I think local officials are again going to say, well, blame the state. They cut all this spending. They did this. You know, blame them. They're the reason property taxes go up. What is your advice for voters who might be faced with higher property tax bills and local officials who are blaming the state? What's your advice to them? You know, my advice would be ask your local elected official. You know, we've we've seen what the state has done when their uh, revenues have declined and they're limited. So why should not the local political subdivisions, the local governments, have to go through the same type of exercise where you look at reducing local government by 20 to 25 percent like we've done at the state level? Uh, Is that unreasonable? I I don't believe it is. Uh, You know, we the problem uh, that you've cited uh, with the uh, state buying down the mills, is all it did was uh, allow them to grow local government. And, you know, we should have seen it. 
we did try to deal with it, but we were unable to uh, come up with a solution where we just couldn't uh, keep from the backfilling occurring. And that was a problem with, with the way the 12% was provided, a big problem. 701-293-9000, What are you most proud of uh, out of this legislative session? We just got done. Obviously, it was, it was, it was a tough one given the budget situation, but what, what are you proud of? What, what, do, what do you think was accomplished that, that, that you're happy about? Well, let's talk about Senate Bill 2206. I think, you know, when it was passed over from the House, it was full of, of hold harmless and uh, in automatic inflators, things that uh, generally are not good, uh, good spending in government. And uh, we took care of those in the House. We pulled them out. Uh, we got it to a level where it's bare bones. It's going to pay the administrative costs uh, that have been uh, shown uh, from historical data. And I think that's a good permanent piece of property tax reform that, that, it might not uh, appear that way initially, but I think that uh, getting rid of those 20 mills, you know, takes away the opportunity for future increases in those areas. And it, it takes, uh, you know, some revenue uh, possibilities away from local uh, elected officials at the county level. I think that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, I think that the House appropriations uh, in the Senate as well, they worked really hard at at trying to reduce uh, these budgets. And I think we can be proud of, of the solutions we came up with. You know, unfortunately, uh, as you know, one chamber is a little bit uh, more conservative than the other, and we maybe didn't get the full reductions that we thought we believed we needed to get to in the House. Uh, I'm not here to place blame. I, I'm just saying that the House uh, believes that we could have uh, made some further reductions than what we ended up with, and we probably passed some future pain to the next uh, legislative assembly. Representative Hedlund, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. That's uh, Representative Craig Hedlund, Chairman of the House Finance and Tax Committee. This is the Rob Report. We'll wrap things up right after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Reporter on 970 WDAY. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Stay tuned for that. Listen, I if, if, if there was something, if, if you could put a silver lining on this legislative session, and I, I think it is possible to do so, it's that they corrected problems they created in the past. And I think, you know, we had a spending correction. I think they built a lot of excessive spending on boom era revenues, revenues from high commodity prices, oil and, and, and crop prices that were never going to last. And also, you know, I think what we're seeing is a is a property tax collect correction. Uh, you know, the legislature sort of knuckled under to political pressure from people who were saying that the the property tax issue was was their problem 
Uh, and I, to some degree, I, I do agree with Representative Headland that there are more things that the legislature could do in terms of reform. But when it comes to local spending and the local taxes, which drives that local spending or, or funds that local spending, I guess is a better term for it, that is a local issue. And I, I hope because, yeah, the legislature ended the 12% buy-down. Well, the 12% buy-down was unsustainable. It couldn't last. They couldn't keep doing it. It was bad tax policy. As Representative Hedlund said, all it was doing was basically enabling the local governments to spend more because what would happen? The state buys down property taxes, and the local governments see that as more capacity to tax more because the state's picking up part of the tab now. So now they feel like they can run up spending and run up your taxes. And nobody, nobody wants that. Political majorities in North Dakota don't want that. And so here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to look at my crystal ball, and I'm going to see circa 2018. You're going to have local governments. They're going to be going over their budgets, and they're going to be saying, well, we're going to have to raise property taxes. And then the people they're going to blame for, for raising property taxes is going to be the state government. They're going to say, well, the state, spe- the state cut spending. So we got to pick up the slack here at the local level. And I think the response from the public needs to that, to that argument, which I think is going to be prevalent next year, it needs to be two things. First of all, it's going to be, well, revenues went down at the state level. The state level cut spending. Why can't locals cut spending as well? Right? Because I think there's been just as much of a spend. Well, maybe not just as much, but I think there's probably been some inflation in spending at the local level during those heady days of the oil boom that could probably be tamped back down. So why can't the local governments cut spending? And second, why can't property taxes be a local issue? Local governments levy the property tax. Local governments need to be responsible about it. They cry all the time about local control, but with local control comes local responsibility. That's it for me today. You can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY or 24 hours seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Now I get my.